Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. So I bring the music down to zero because I think I've explained this before. It's the annoyance and like, I feel like I want to pull the curtain back. And this is something that I'm sure no one ever thinks about besides me. But I fade the music all the way to zero before I start talking on th- on this show because I can't separate the music audio from the guest and I don't want to accidentally mute you. And then when I port this over to the traditional pod side, my editing software is going to put that music at the front and back end of the show. And so if it's already playing and it puts it again, then people listening to the pod will hear it in some sort of weird double round iteration. And so on this one show, I fade all the way out to nothing. But anyway, uh, good day, everyone. Happy afternoon to you now. This will be show number two on this delightful Monday, beginning of week four in the fantasy season. I'm Dan Vespers. And for the week ahead episodes, I am joined, as always, by the great Derek Ball, at dballbball on Twitter. He bows to you, as that was a little tip of the head, uh, because, you know, we're chest up here on YouTube. To those listening, I felt like I needed to do play-by-play of it. I am at Dan Vespers over on social. And Derek, before we dive into the meat of this thing, how was week three for you? How's everything going in your fantasy seasons? Well, week three's been great. I mean, my teams are on a roll. Every team I have this week has been winning, so I guess I'm doing something right. Uh, It's a nice change of pace for me. I kind of got bit by the injury bug the first couple of weeks, so I'm feeling good going into week four. Uh, It definitely helps to counterbalance the the mood of uh, that's caused by this weather that I'm dealing with now. We got a blizzard in Ottawa today, and uh, like just about everyone in the world, I am struggling with daylight savings time. I'm tired of it. Daylight saving time, I have done many a rant on on this show over the years, and I figured I, I wanted to pull up the weather locally here just to try to make you feel bad. Can you see that number? Oh, I yeah. mean, I'm going to just pretend that I don't know how to convert from Fahrenheit to Celsius, and yeah. uh, we'll leave it at that. Uh, what is room temperature in Celsius? 25? 21. 21. Close, so we're, we're basically that. It's 9 fifths oh. plus 32. I remember the conversion from math class. Uh, but I don't know that I can do it while talking about fantasy basketball on air. What's a, uh, all right. So nine fifths, a fifth of that would be 4.2 times nine, 36 plus 1.8 is 37.8 plus 32. So about 70, right? 69.8. Did I get that right? You know, it's funny. We work with numbers so much and I am honestly one of the worst people you're ever going to talk to about math. Oh, I love numbers. I love, <laughs> I love just toying with them. I think I've told this story on the show too, because at some point you've told every story on a pod you've hosted for six or seven years or whatever this has been now. Um, when I was a kid, my mom took me to the mall and we were shopping for a present for somebody. I don't know, someone we probably weren't all that close with. So we ended up in whatever, it wasn't the Discovery store yet. I think it was whatever it was called before Discovery Channel bought the store that has like all the miscellaneous gadgets. Uh, not Sharper Image, not the fancy stuff, like the the goofy little gadget store. And she left me in front of, it was just like a TV with a VCR hooked up to it because I'm going to date myself, VCR, uh, showing a movie or show called Math Magics. And I haven't, for some reason, I've never Googled this. Math Magics. I I doubt it still exists. Apparently the second hit is something at educationworld.com. It was just a guy that was playing with numbers and he was like this is how you very quickly do 
multiplied uh, two-digit numbers in your head. This is how you square two-digit numbers. This is how, and like I don't know what I was. I was probably like nine or ten. And from that moment, I was just like, yes, this is how so this I want to screw with it. Like the of math, then. Yeah, basically, that was exactly <laughs> it. He was just like, let's put like a little tree here. This would be lovely. Uh, it's a happy math. And so now I'm teaching that to my now seven-year-old son of like, yeah, he's sitting on the toilet. He's going to the bathroom. And I'm just like, all right, kid, figure out how to square 22 for me. And so he's like sitting there trying to do squares. And everyone else in my family is like, why are you doing this to your kid? And I'm like, he's loving it. He loves it. If you don't burden a child with math, if you make it entertaining like Mr. Math Magics did for me, then throughout the rest of your life, you can convert celsius to fahrenheit live on a youtube podcast anyway um i had one other question i wanted to ask you before we got into this week ahead and that is who do you think's been the most annoying fantasy player to have so far because i think it's markel faults you know what i think uh i think you've got a point if you're going to argue for markel faults but there's just two names that are frankly bigger that are drawing more attention i wrote about them both in my article this week and you've talked about them both i think on your most recent pod got to be some combination of James Harden or Jordan Poole because they're the ones that cost you some of your earliest and most valuable picks. And, uh, well, we've all heard the news. They're not living up to the hype right now. Yeah, I mean, Jordan Poole has a pretty damn good case for it. I think my beef with Markel Fultz is that he missed three games. I just dropped him into an IL slot. Then he came back, and now he's going to miss at least another two. Uh, so mm-hmm. in Yahoo Public Leagues, and again, I don't know why I'm holding two pens. I'm still holding two pens, and I'm waving them around on air like a loony bin. Uh, let me get rid of one of those. Um, yeah, I, I've gotten one game out of him, and I haven't been able to use him for an IL slot, so I haven't been able to replace him. I've basically taken six zeros. One game he played, and he wasn't very good. That's why I'm annoyed with faults. Like, Poole has sucked, but at least he played. Like, at least it's not zeros, you know? Well, whatever. That doesn't really matter. There's no right answer to this question. All right, look. So Derek's going to be... I, I need to impress you, Okay. I came a little bit more prepared this week. Uh, again, you can find Derek on Twitter at DballBball. He writes the week ahead piece at Sports Ethos, available in the Fantasy Pass, along with so many other things. Starts at just six bucks a month. Go check that out at sportsethos.com. We're going to go through this week ahead. We're going to go through, Derek, your Twitter thread as well. Uh, that gets everybody set up for the week. But I actually did a little digging and figured out a few teams that, and, I, and this is before I read your piece. A few teams that I thought seemed like pretty good ones if you wanted to make moves today. Are those teams Chicago, Milwaukee, and New York? Absolutely, unequivocally. I think those are my top three targets for today. Um, But, I mean, there's only so many good options. So at least I know going into Monday that there are actually some solid backups if you don't get Chicago, Milwaukee, and New York. All right, so tell me a little bit about the back. Okay, so... First of all, the reason I picked those is because they have four games over the first six days this week. But tell me a little bit mm-hmm. about uh, the backups. What if you don't get anybody good? What if, like, the only guy on those teams floating around right now is freaking Pat Connaughton and you don't want to go down that path? Well, so here's the thing. The big thing for me is that when you're streaming, not everyone's doing a long stream. I tend to give advice as if you are long streaming. But really, if uh, if you're looking at making short-term moves, there's no functional difference between Chicago, Milwaukee, New York. Uh, and the next ones that I would recommend, which would be Boston, Cleveland, Sacramento, Toronto, and Washington. So quite literally, every team that's playing on Monday is actually going to give you some good value for a uh, multi-day stream. You got all of those teams I just named. They're playing on Monday. They're playing again on Wednesday. So no matter who you're adding from any of those groups, you're still getting two plays out of one move before you can move them, or before you can move on from that player again on Thursday. 
Thursday is where you start to see the difference between Chicago, Milwaukee, New York, and the Boston, Cleveland, Sacramento, Toronto, Washington group, because uh, we're picking Chicago, Milwaukee, New York, uh, based on the fact that from Wednesday to Saturday, that's a four-day period, and they play three games. So really, it's functionally the same until Wednesday to have any of those teams. But if you want to get the best possible targets for a week-long stream, you're right, Chicago, Milwaukee, New York. If you don't like any of the uh, eight teams playing tonight, would you take a look at any of the teams going back-to-back Tuesday, Wednesday? Because there actually are quite a few of those. I think there's like six or seven teams going back-to-back Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah, absolutely. For me, I think especially with the way that the schedule falls this week, uh, I think uh, this is one of the best weeks um, to actually go early on one of the players that you want to prioritize. If there is a guy that you really want to get for a Tuesday game, uh, even if you do have space on Monday, uh, I don't think it's a bad thing to go for the right player uh, because there's only two games on the schedule this week that are actually what I would call busy uh, game days. Uh, there's Tuesday, a, a 10 game day and Friday an 11 game day. Every other day could be a value added play. So as long as you're getting a player on Monday or Tuesday, that's going to give you as much value as possible on those weaker days. Uh, I don't think it matters which one of those two you go with. And frankly, uh, you're not going to have a lot of great options on Monday if there's only four games going on. You might have a wider pool of high-value players to choose from on Tuesday. Yeah, and there's no guarantee that even with 10 games tomorrow that you're going to have an overloaded schedule, right? Like, you, mm-hmm. if, if you have guys that happen to be on the teams playing today, uh, that means that your Tuesday probably isn't overloaded. You might only have eight or nine guys going, and so then it does make sense to add one into tomorrow. Plus, with the way the NBA goes you kind of have to assume like one out of every 10 of your players is probably going to be a late scratch anyway. Mm -hmm. Isn't that the truth? Yeah, no, uh, this is the time of year, especially with certain teams that we're starting to see this happening with increasing frequency. Um, Just want to give a quick shout out to anyone who's struggling with Miami Heat players lately. You guys are definitely going through it. Uh, Same thing for anyone who's dealing with the the Memphis group. Um, I mean, there's just certain teams are really, really struggling right now. And without a clear rotation behind the the stars that are getting injured, it really does leave managers kind of in a tough spot. Uh, Thankfully, this is a great week to be uh, playing with your uh, with your injured reserve because there is just so much flexibility on streaming. Okay, so let's let's dig in a little bit more on these early early week options. Is there Mm -hmm. a cutoff at which you'd say? Like, this guy just isn't worth it. Who are the guys that you think actually make the cut for schedule stream level players on some of these clubs we've been talking about? Right. So, I mean, it's uh, there is a little bit of give and take with the list, the list that I put up on Twitter here. You'll see, uh, I think you've got it up on the screen right now, my tweets. Yeah, so you'll see on Monday, I've got targets like Alex Caruso, Kobe White, Emmanuel Quickly, Jay Crowder, Josh Hart. Malik Beasley, Quentin Grimes, Patrick Williams. Now, not all these players are created equal. Don't take them all as an equal recommendation here. You'll see in my comments very often, I've got teams that are uh, or managers that are in 14-team leagues, 16-team leagues, uh, guys that are in leagues where maybe people aren't paying attention. So I can never really speak to who exactly is available in your leagues. But as a general rule, I'm looking at players that are around a 60% ownership rate or less. And among that group um, of the guys that I just named, I'd be targeting if healthy. Kobe White's my number one guy to add this week. I actually made him the cover photo for for the article. I think he's doing really well. He's really settling in as a starting point guard in Chicago. Although, to be fair, I don't know if point guard is the right designation for him based on how he fits in the offense. Regardless, he's a productive player. 
Uh, I've heard you talk a lot about Josh Hart lately, and that's someone who I'm also keeping an eye on. I actually added him in a, in a spot this morning. Uh, I'm not entirely optimistic for how that play is going to work out, but I think he's got a really strong uh, history uh, of being a good uh, producer of kind of, uh, we'll call them hustle stats. We kind of the, the less appreciated stats. He doesn't really score many points or get many, uh, get many trays, but he's kind of productive everywhere else, or at least he has been historically. And I really like that kind of value on my team, especially as a streamer, because really you're not getting a lot of really good points or trays streamers uh, in, uh, in the waiver wire anyway right now. Um, so I think those two are the main ones that I'm looking at. Um, and then uh, for the backup teams I was looking at, you'll uh, listeners will recall that I did talk about Boston, Cleveland, Sacramento, Toronto, and Washington. I am watching Gary Trent Jr. I am certainly not adding him right now after being doubtful for one game, missing that game, and now being questionable for today. The reality is that he is playing for a team that might give him a good opportunity to collect heavy doses of steals and trays on a four-game week. So I am going to be looking at him, and if he is healthy, I'm probably going to be considering him in a lot of leagues. Uh, other guys who have just been really solid and reliable lately, I'm talking about Karis LeVert, uh, Denny Avdia, uh, and Max Struess are some of the other names that are really standing out to me as really solid, reliable, standard league guys that I'm probably going to be looking at in a lot of spots. Hey, uh, has Karis LeVert potentially moved ahead of streamer land? I was having a conversation with myself because that's how a lot of my shows go earlier this morning. It seems like he's actually kind of settled into a pretty good role in Cleveland. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Yeah, well, I mean, if he keeps up at the pace that he was uh, setting for himself this weekend, then, I mean, you've got to keep him. And, it, and the truth is that for as long as he's playing, you know, as he has lately, he is absolutely a hold, not a stream. Do I know for a fact that that will continue for the rest of the season? Uh, no. Um, it, a lot of that could depend on how uh, how healthy uh, Garland and Mitchell are. And depending on the minutes cap for Allen, things can change. Uh, if Mobley ever gets a little bit more of a, more confidence on offense, I could also see some touches going away from Levert. Um, but at absolute worst, he's a great guy to have at the end of your roster right now. I would hold him over a course of multiple weeks. He is a guy that I might be considering to uh, to trade as a as a sell high right now, just because I have seen some uh, some of his more recent years, uh, both of which were in Cleveland. Uh, he hasn't really held. Uh, held up as a as a season-long standard league guy, but he has, in moments, been very relevant. So I think we might be in that period of relevance now. I'd be putting feelers out to see if he is um, someone that other teams might be willing to trade for. If I can get another top 100 guy in exchange for him, I'll probably use that as a way to just kind of seal the deal and make sure that I've locked in a top 100 guy rather than guessing, asking the question, right. you know, is Karis Levert a top 100 guy? Um, 
Truth is, right now, yes, he is absolutely. I'd hold on to him for sure, but I'm not going to sell him as uh, as the savior to all your problems for guard stats. Yeah, yeah, not he ain't going to be that. I I still remember it was like ten years ago that uh, Roto World had was trying to make the hashtag going la vertical uh, go (laughs) trend, and every time I saw it, I was like, I don't think I don't think he's going la vertical, guys. Like he's going to shoot 41 percent from the field and 72 percent from the free throw line. Unless you're going points league, then I guess he's he's straight la vertical through the roof. Uh, before mm-hmm. we get to the next point here, because I have some more questions for you, again, want to remind everybody that you are listening to Derek Ball at D-Ball, B-Ball on social media. I am Dan Baspris, and please take a second, no matter how you're taking in this content, please like, rate, subscribe. That's a big deal. We get to keep doing more shows. The more growth we have, the more I can pour into this. It's sort of like a, hey, should Dan's time be invested in this or something else? Show the love, and I can keep investing more time in this, in social, all that good stuff, and uh, bring you guys more content from smart humans like Derek sitting over there uh, across in the Great White North. Okay, so let's say you're long streaming. And for folks that maybe are not familiar with it, because I've, I've talked about it on the pod for a really long time, and I, I think I kind of... Did I come up with that term? I think I came up with that term, right? The long stream. I'll, uh, you know what? I'm going to validate it. I can't say for sure, but that's you said it confidently. So yeah, okay, it. that's good. That's what you got to do in this life, anyway. Say say some <laughs> say some crap with confidence, and everybody will just so long streaming is um, where you're. It allows you to stream more roster slots because you're not just grabbing a guy for one or two nights. Typically, you're looking at more like four nights, sometimes six. If a team plays five games in seven days, that's kind of like your optimal zone. If you really want to go nuts. You could even hunt down a team going, you know, six times in nine days, seven times in 10 days, things like that. You don't see it happen all that often because the NBA is trying to limit injuries and get players into games more these days after the trend their own direction. But what this does is it allows you more moves as the week goes along. You're not just streaming one roster slot on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. You might do roster slot 12 on Monday and Thursday, and you might do roster slot 13 on Tuesday and Saturday or something like that, and you're adding multiple games per move made against the player that you dropped. So with that in mind, Derek, I ask you, how many moves are you comfortable using on Monday or Tuesday of this week? Because we do kind of also still have to think about what happens as the week goes on. Absolutely. So, I mean, you're going to have to decide really early. Do you want to be a long streamer or do you want to be a short streamer? Because that will impact every future move you make. Now, I tend to be one of those people uh, right now. I have been dealing with injuries in a lot of my different leagues. So I do actually have a little bit more roster flexibility. So for me, I'm looking best player available and I'm just going to take them to the finish line. If one of those best players available that I that I pick up this week, I mind you, I will be streaming two on Monday, Tuesday. If one of those players doesn't work out for me, I'll hold them till Wednesday because I want to get two games out of one move. Um, And then from there, I will be able to make a decision still to maybe transition into a short stream uh, for a better player that might be able to add more games for me as well. Um, The key is to get your player, the guy that you want, the player that you think is going to be the most productive early on for me. And then I think you figure it out from there. You can respond to a situation if you have the player. But if you're wishing that you got the guy or planning to get a guy and he's not there when you need him, then 
then you're really just back to square one uh, without having gained anything. So I like to get my guy early and hold on to him, make that decision after the fact, let someone else um, pick up my scraps. If I decide <laughs> that I don't want them anymore. Um, but yeah, no, for me, I, I think I'd be prepared to use two moves um, in the first couple of days. I'm not really looking at doing anything on Wednesday, if I'm being honest, because there's just so many different paths to have already got two games from a streamer by Wednesday. So I think it would be important if I was one of those managers planning to make a move to get at least one move done Monday, Tuesday, that will allow me to have had two games by Wednesday. I'm not planning on making a move on Wednesday. There's eight games already. My lineup's going to be relatively filled and there aren't any back-to-backs to exploit. So there's not really much of an incentive for me to uh, move into um, move into a Monday or a Wednesday, Thursday uh, stream. What I'm more likely to do is to take one or both of those players that I stream uh, for the Monday, Wednesday period and flip them on Thursday where you have another kind of avenue into value-added streaming. Uh, for me, that's the day where I'm going to start to really look heavily at the Oklahoma City players, uh, because Thursday is, first off, it's a two-game day, uh, but also Oklahoma City's on a three and four, so that's three games in four days. Heavy, heavy value, really, really great advisable stream for almost any, uh, almost any manager. And the thing that I really like about those three and fours is if you're going to weigh a three and four um, period against maybe uh, a two and three, which is something that Golden State and Miami also offer from Thursday. Uh, even if I have a comparably worse player from Oklahoma City, if I get three games of that comparably worse player, uh, they're probably still going to be more productive than a bench player from a team with two games. Um, so th- those are things that managers are going to have to pay attention to because yes, you know, you might look at, uh, for example, I've got Case and Wallace as one of my preferred streamers from uh, from the Thunder this week, I might look at him versus a player like Dario Saric. You got a rookie uh, on a team stacked with guards versus a veteran uh, who has actually been on a bit of a tear lately. And I would actually probably advise you to take the rookie, um, not because I think he's going to be uh, outproducing Saric in any individual game, but I think just the cumulative impact of having three games of uh, Wallace's production is just going to simply outweigh the low volume uh, cumulative production of Dario Saric, for example. Mm. Yeah, and I, so I, I, the other thing is when you're talking about that Thursday move, mm-hmm. uh, I assume you're are you saving one for Saturday, Sunday uh, to attack a particular category, or are you trying to use them up Thursday, Friday? So as a rule, for most weeks, I'm only really trying to bring one move into the weekend. Okay. Uh, it's possible, depending on what's out there, you might have two. Certainly, I wouldn't keep. I wouldn't be having three or four going into the weekend, assuming we're in a four uh, roster moves league. Um, the reason being that I'm always looking to get two games from every single stream, and your opportunities decline as the week goes on. So, if I'm at Friday and I have multiple moves to use, I might be planning to use them both on the Friday, um, because I know that if I don't get those two games out of a single stream by Friday, then I have exactly three options on Saturday to get me that last possible good streaming opportunity otherwise i'm just going player for player and then it's just whoever has the best player is going to win because we're not adding anything onto the onto the score like i was saying before with the wallace times three versus the sarich times two if i've got uh players going shot for shot with each other it's just simply going to be the best player that wins and i don't want to put myself up to that kind of risk in a head-to-head league i want to just keep on stacking numbers um so really i think one move maybe two going into friday by saturday you shouldn't have anything left if you ask me you might have you might have touched on this who are the teams that have the really good saturday sunday schedule i think i i think i checked and there were like three or four back-to-backs in there 
Yeah, there's three of them. And uh, and really, if we're being honest, I think functionally it's going to work out to be two because I've already talked about Oklahoma City a little bit. They are already a good long stream from Tuesday. They are an excellent stream from Thursday. And so if you expect to get Oklahoma City or anyone, like really anyone from Oklahoma City that's going to be worth streaming, they're going to be gone by Saturday. So you really can't plan on them being there. Mm. You're really just looking in Dallas, who's actually, uh, they have a back-to-back Tuesday, Wednesday. They rest for two days and then they go back on another back-to-back. So you're probably going to be picking up someone from Dallas off the waiver wire when someone short streams them in the beginning of the week. They're going to clear just in time for you to pick them up on the Saturday, Sunday in most leagues. Uh, and then you've got Memphis. And then, frankly, I mean, I could recommend any number of players. I'd have to know who's healthy and who's not right now. Uh, and frankly, if even some of those players are available in some of your leagues, I'm seeing some stuff online about how players like Jacob Gilliard aren't even in some uh, in the rosters of some fantasy leagues. And here he is putting up really, really considerable value. Um, but yeah, yeah so weird. I, it's if it's weird. me, I'm looking, at, I'm looking at those two teams with a, a heavy preference for Dallas just because, frankly, I have an easier time trusting their players with higher name value. Uh, those teams that have back-to-backs over the weekend, I believe all three of them have pretty awful schedules after that. I'm assuming then you'd advise going into next week. Those are probably your Monday drops. Yeah. So I'm just, as we're talking here, I'm just having a look at it. Memphis, uh, after their Sunday game, they got another two game rest uh, and then they head into a three game week. So there's really not a lot of value there. Uh, Dallas, they two games rest, and then they had to do a two game week. So yeah, that's a immediate drop for me, unless someone really hits. Okay, see uh, the and same Oklahoma thing. Oklahoma City, yeah, exactly, same thing. So really, it's uh, it's a move where you're you're really just taking them for two days. You're not really swinging for the hills here. I wouldn't plan to plan to um, stay with any of these players for a long time. But that's okay though, because if you got, I mean, if you got the Thunder on Tuesday or Thursday, then you got enough out of them in that Absolutely capacity. It, and it's kind of nice to know which guy's going to be the one that gets dropped on Monday. There's a certain there's a certain comfort in that. Provided you don't have a ton of other guys that also have really bad schedules that coming week, right? Yeah, that, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, I have a question for you about overall schedule, and I stumbled on this while I was looking through some of the streaming stuff. The Clippers, at the end of this week, uh, and the Rockets, I believe, will each have had two two-game weeks already. I think those teams will then have something like two or three more games remaining than a lot of other teams in the NBA. Would you ever target guys on those teams because they simply like, basically at that point you're looking at like a 70 game schedule. Well, I guess it'd be less than that. You're looking at like a 66 game schedule in the traditional fantasy or like actual basketball world. And then someone Mm -hmm. came in and was like, by the way, I got two teams that are going to play 69 games the rest of the week or the rest of the season. Those guys would be more valuable by like a factor of 5%. That seems not insignificant. Am I making too much out of nothing? Well, I mean, yeah, you definitely got a point there with the with the Rockets and the Clippers in particular. I still think it's a little bit early to be thinking about the end of the season with them yet because they do have in week seven, both of them have another two-game week coming up. Sorry to break it to you. Jeez. Uh, and the Ridiculous. Rockets are actually heading into consecutive three-game weeks. So Man. once they clear that week seven hump, you're absolutely right. They're just green all the way across. They're either neutral wow. or plus value the whole way through. And I think this really plays in well for the for the builds of both teams because you talk about the Rockets. A, it's a new team that's starting to gel together. B, you've got a team that's filled with young prospects that are kind of developing their game as they go. They're going to have hot streaks and cold streaks. And frankly, the lineup's still shaking itself out. So by the time week eight comes around and they're just plus value the whole way through, I think teams are going to have a much clearer idea of what to expect from those teams. 
uh, or from those players. And I think they'll have a much better idea of who to target going forward. Uh, as far as the Clippers go, I mean, we all know they're, they're not exactly a popular team right now. Uh, they're not performing very well. Their players are, I mean, everything just looks ugly out there, but I don't think this is going to last. I think you've just got too many talented players on the floor and eventually the stats will come. Eventually the wins will come. And uh, I'm probably taking that time to uh, to evaluate exactly how things are going to shake out with the Clippers before I'm really committing too heavy to them. Having said that, with the way things are going right now with players like Harden, with players like Paul George uh, and Russell Westbrook, I don't think you're ever going to have a better opportunity for a buy low. And, you know, in that, in that we're agreeing on what's going to be their great schedule coming up. I, I think it's worth putting in some feelers for those players now and accepting the fact that you might have to take some losses in the short term. Yeah, because they're going to suck for a little bit longer. Although I got to admit, Derek, I thought they were going to be bad. I didn't think they were going to be this bad. Like neither did I. <laughs> that this is this is ugly, man. They just got smoked by a bad Memphis team that's like all out of sorts, and they went in and they beat the Clippers. That was in L.A., wasn't it? And I think it was, but you know what? At, at the end of the day, this has given me my favorite NBA moment of recent memory. Oh. Uh, it was one of the one of the lead paragraphs in my article. But just the, when the Brian Damaris diss track on James Harden dropped, I, oh, I couldn't that have been crazy. happier. I, I'm just this is just a message for anyone out there who's trying to get who's trying to farm some content, who's just trying to get some extra likes and get some extra. Post that video, and I will give it a like. I will give it a retweet, ha. no matter where it goes. I swear I've seen it 30 times in my feed now, and I'm hitting that heart button every time. It's my favorite thing to ever happen. Is it still up? I thought the original might have gotten taken down. Oh, I'm not I'm not sure if I've ever seen the original, but you know how social media is. Yeah, now, right? Everyone media. just films themselves reacting to Let it. People, can, you, can you tell people what you're talking about? Because not everybody has, has seen it or knows what you're talking about. Absolutely. So Brian Damaris, you've never heard of him and you probably will, uh, unless you're a Mavs fan, you probably won't hear of him again after this. He is just a play-by-play -play guy or some other kind of TV color commentator for the Mavs. Um, the Mavs played the Clippers on Friday. And before that Clippers game tipped off, this guy just absolutely went in on Harden. He just, you know, everything, we've all heard the negative comments people have said about them. I won't rehash them all here, but, you know, various things about commitment to teams and uh, you know, wanting too much money or maybe having a misconception of the type of player he is at this stage in his career, all of those things. I mean, he literally just tied it all up in a bow, three minutes of just unfiltered ranting live on air. And uh, it is the definition of a viral video. Haven't heard anything back from Harden yet, but certainly if uh, if he was responding, uh, we're not going to see any evidence of that in his game. There was no revenge game after that. Since those <laughs> comments have come out, we haven't seen anything better the, out of Harden. <laughs> the, the Mavs post game or pre game post game guy revenge game. That would be that'd be a very new, yeah. It was um, it was a lot, man. I don't think I would have the stones to do it, especially to be on the other team, like just clobbering the guy on a club that you're about to play. That was uh, that was that was audacious. By the way, I, I need to throw this comment up on the board. I don't know if it's going to make you happy or sad, but boom. <laughs> From 9E. Must appreciate it. You know what? I don't even hear it. People have told me I have an accent before. I couldn't tell you what it sounds like. I think I sound normal. But I guess next to someone from California, the place of the true, I think, neutral accent. Maybe oh, it's no, <laughs> no. So I've been told that the neutral accent is Omaha, Nebraska. That That's why a lot of companies set up their call centers out there because no well, one can tell. Anyone from Omaha, Nebraska. Exactly. Because they sound like everyone all at the same time. Not out here, man. We Californians, we say we say things like bro and we're very we're very cool and laid back and I want to 
punch everybody who talks like that. But let me tell you, whoever, whoever sent that comment in, I'm I'm from the Toronto area, and you don't even want to know what the Toronto accent is anymore. So I'm glad that you heard the good version of it. What's the difference between? So I know that like French Canada, that's obviously a, its own land, and then you've got uh, Central, which would be what like Manitoba type area. Um, Manitoba, Saskatchewan. Yeah, so I have uh, I have some relatives that are actually uh, around Winnipeg, or m- many of them have passed away. So I guess used to be near Winnipeg. So that one I'm familiar with. And then, and then you've got like West Coast, British Columbia. What are how could I tell the difference between a Toronto accent and a British Columbia accent? Well, I mean, I think it's the the difference between maybe a, let's say a New York accent. We're fairly close to each other geographically and culturally. I would say Toronto and New York are pretty fair approximations of each other. And uh, maybe someone from Seattle. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I, I think actually they're they're the closest analogs for each other. Makes sense. In any context. Uh, yeah. And uh, just generally speaking, you can always tell uh, when someone's from Toronto, if, if you know that someone else listening to them is from another part of Canada, they're probably going to be scowling, shaking their fist. Torontonians aren't really popular elsewhere in Canada. See, this is what, uh, this, so, this is the stuff I need, man. Like, I know that Canadians <laughs> are probably like making these faces at each other because Americans, we do this thing. We all laugh at each other's accents. Yeah, we apologize afterwards. Though. Yeah, you, that's true. We don't we don't <laughs> apologize. We just laugh and then we walk away. That's that's the difference there. I just I always wanted to know if there's like. Cause like I can tell central Canadian accent cause we got the Dakotas here and it's mm-hmm. like, you know, I don't know if anybody grew up watching Bobby's world, the cartoon from the eighties that Howie Mandel did, which was all like, uh, I think Minnesota, Dakota accents that like, we know that one in the States, but mm-hmm. like an American, I don't think could ever tell you the difference between a Toronto Canadian accent and like a Vancouver one, even though for you guys, I'm sure it's like, yeah, I picked that up in four words. Right. Like, yeah, I mean, we're not we're not really as bad for regional accents as as some other areas of the world I've found. If you go out east, absolutely. I mean, obviously, I'm in Ottawa, so just uh, you know, a couple of kilometers, miles for you yeah. uh, to 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 my east, uh, you're going to hear people speaking a lot differently than I am right now. And if you go even further east from there, you're going to have you're going to hear some really really crazy. Accents. What about the newfies? Stumbled into Ireland. What about? Oh the- yeah, you know what? They actually very often you'll hear someone from Ireland themselves saying. Uh, saying that the accent's the closest thing they've got to home when they when they come over here. Really? That's super yeah, interesting. Yeah, I mean they they sound like they're they're a world unto themselves out in the maritimes. They've got a lot of family from out there. I absolutely love it out there. Uh, they they feel completely unique to the rest of Canada. That's wild. And aren't they like a half hour ahead instead of a full hour? That's just a one one province, yes. That's uh, and, bonkers. Uh, That's it's not gotta okay. Got to suck. It's got to suck for them. That is not okay. We that needs to be dealt with post haste. Um, let me I'm see if I can sure find the guy that came Sorry, up with daylight savings time actually is the one that made this rule for, for that province. Yeah. I was just like, you know what? We're going to have a little fun. Everybody can go to it's hell. Just so inconvenient for everyone. Excuse me. As I cough into the microphone, let me see if I can find a question here. <coughs> Eventually this, <laughs> this cough is going to finish me off. Um, if I can get any like weekly, I want lineup questions, people. I don't want this like add subtract kind of thing. Um, oh, here we go. Should I bench? Should I? This is Tyus. Should I bench Tyus Jones this week? Well, let me just see here. What do we have for a schedule for Tyus Jones? On well, you know what? It's if you're doing a weekly changes league, uh, and knowing I think he's what a uh, game time decision right now. 
Yeah, they're only a three. Uh, I'm not up to date on his injury status, but yeah, they're in a three game week, and I think he was he was showing up as a potentially injured player for tonight. So he is kind of trending down right now. If you do have another option at point guard, I don't think it's the worst thing to to bench Jones. He's not an overly productive player. Uh, having said that, if you look at the team that you're playing this week in a head to head league in particular, uh, and you know that you are going to need to win or you might be able to win assists, then I don't think you're going to have many better options at point guard than Jones, even if he is struggling. This isn't a question, but you're getting all the compliments in the chat room today. Shout out to Derek for having the best handle. D ball, B ball. I'm, I misinterpreted that. I'm going to just go ahead and say I didn't know that you've seen me handle a basketball before, but ah, I, 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 I appreciate it. Very you know nice. <laughs> very nice. Dad joke city, I'm looking man. Like, I'm looking like Kyrie Irving out there, let that, me tell you. I'm saying. You said you got a dog, not human children, right? Did I remember that the right? Two dogs, yeah. Two dogs, yeah. There you go. Yeah. So the dogs have turned you into dad joke center. I love it. I love a good dad joke. Derek, you get the heck out of here. I kept you longer than I said I would because I wanted to learn about Canadian province accents. I don't know what the hell's going to strike my fancy. I like I got my voice back this week so I'm asking all sorts of weird crap. Uh he is Derek Ball at Dball Bball. I'm going to go through some of the other questions in the chat room. I'll also give you guys the thoughts on a couple of weekly lineup decisions, uh injury stuff like that. Derek, until next Monday, my good man. Dan and fans, it has been a pleasure. We'll talk to you next Monday and uh good luck in your leagues this week. He is Derek Ball at Dball Bball. It is a sweet, sweet handle. I got to say, like, Andre's not wrong in the chat room. Andre Martinez there saying that he's got a good handle. Uh, so here's what we're going to go through real quick. Well, uh, I just pull up the Yahoo list of basically like the top 200 players. And anybody that's got an injured tag on them in any way, we're just going to quickly look through and see if they're worth starting. Uh, Devin Booker already, uh, he was doubtful going into yesterday's game. They got a three-game week that's a little bit more backloaded um but i don't i don't see how you can possibly roll the dice on that i know they got two days off before the game on wednesday um that's dicey man if you throw him out there and you get one game out of him or none you're gonna regret that forever uh by forever i mean for one week so i think i'd probably err on the side of caution sounds like darren fox is gonna be trying to come back uh as soon as possibly wednesday we might get him in there tonight the latest was that he is trying to get in there for this ball game. But you know he's coming back for the Lakers because that's the way things always work. So I think you'll get at least three out of De'Aaron Fox. He is a go for me. Uh, guys that are out a long time, I'm not even going to bring those guys up. LeBron, he missed Lakers' last ball game. Uh, Lakers are off today, but then they roll into a home back-to-back against the hapless Grizzlies, and then we just talked about the Kings. I think you see Braun for at least one of those two games, maybe the back half uh, against Sacramento. And then on the road, Portland back home to take on Houston and what ends up actually being kind of a revenge game for the Lakers getting smacked by the Rockets last week with no Anthony Davis. I think you get three out of LeBron, so he is a go. Dame is probable. You can go ahead and throw him back in the mix. Cam Thomas is out probably at least another week. I think you can probably bench him, so that's not a bigger one. Uh, Trey Young is questionable due to personal reasons, which hard to know exactly how that's going to shake out. Unfortunately, they have a three-game week that's pretty front-loaded, three games uh, by Friday, and then they don't play Saturday, Sunday, or Monday. I think you probably get two out of Trey this week, which is just barely enough for a dude inside the top 50, and that makes him a go. 
Herb Jones, uh, he is currently questionable for tomorrow's game uh, against Dallas. The Pelicans could obviously use him. They've lost five games in a row, including all three that Herb has missed and the last two that he was in. Put up some pretty good uh, games before going down. He's rolling kind of near the, the top 50. The questionable tag is is unexpected. Um, I think I'd probably give him a go. Not that two games out of Herb Jones would be enough, but the fact that they go tomorrow and then they're off for two days and then they play Friday, Saturday means you're almost definitely going to get two. So he's probably good enough for me. Gordon Hayward is probable, so he's good to go. Jalen Duran uh, missed the last ball game. He's dealing with this ankle soreness, which is actually not that dissimilar from stuff he dealt with last year, and that's annoying. It was something we hoped was more of a they're keeping his numbers in check rookie season and not the sort of big stuff. I might be inclined to bench him. It's only a three-game week. If he misses tomorrow's game, he's down to two. And I don't know that two out of Jalen Duran is actually enough for weekly format, folks. Um, so he's kind of a coin flip. If you're feeling saucy, you can go for it. Blah blah blah. Um, I'm prob. I think I probably bench him and just play it safe. OG Ananobi is questionable. Raptors have a four-game week, so I think you're probably starting him anyway. If he's questionable today, you likely get him for uh, some measure of days. Alex Caruso is, uh, I think, downgraded to doubtful for Chicago. They still have three games after that, so he's probably a start if you're in a weekly format. Uh, if you're in 14 teams and larger, then he's almost definitely a start. 12's kind of a little bit iffy. I haven't heard anything about Terry Rozier in a while. I think he's already been ruled out for tomorrow's game, so go ahead and keep him on your bench. Um, who else are we working on here that's beat up right now? Oh, Nick Batum, uh, I think, may have gotten ruled out for the front end of a Philly back-to-back, -back, which makes him a much tougher sell in head-to-head -head leagues. Ben Simmons is already ruled out for tomorrow. That really shrinks the week for Brooklyn. I think they're now a two-gamer with him missing Tuesday, so Simmons should be on your bench. On your bench. Malcolm Brogdon, uh, keep him on your bench. I don't expect him to be racing back anytime super quick. I don't, you know, try to get back when he can, but uh, I don't think it's going to be lightning fast. Until we get anything on Walker Kessler, he's definitely out. Markel Fultz is a bench. He's off to a bad start regardless, and in my opinion, the most annoying player to own in fantasy so far this year, and that is your very fast player injury report. Let's get a couple of questions in there. Again, please do remember to subscribe and like the show uh, before you complete any other part of your day. Choose two out of Levert, Melton, Avdia, and Keontae George. Um, I will go... Uh, Hmm, these are, this is a pretty good one, actually. I am going to go... Hmm, let me go Melton with the Ubre injury. So DeAnthony's in, and then I'm debating between Avdia and Levert. I'll go Levert and just hope that something sticks. And I know I might pay for that, because Avdia's got the much higher floor between those two dudes. Um, and then Keontae George, I think he'll put up a bunch of assists, but I don't know that it's going to be a whole lot beyond that. I like him, and I think he should be rostered in most leagues, but this particular person, Nate, seems to have uh, an abundance of riches. Nick Claxton hasn't been picked up. Why on earth was he dropped? Should I drop Marcus Smart for him? Yes. Cam Johnson and Jordan Poole, both on the waiver wire. Worth it if I'm dropping Gordon Hayward. Uh, I think I'd rather have Cam Johnson... I don't know about Jordan Poole, man. He's been hurting more than he's been helping. I don't I don't think I'm 
believe it or not, I don't think I'm picking him up right now. Um, yeah, you probably go Cam, and then with Poole, I, I don't know. He's 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 a tough one to roster. Um, should I move Jalen Suggs for Jalen Johnson? Is Tyus Jones a drop? Tyus Jones is a hold. And yes, I would rather have Jalen Johnson over Jalen Suggs. But I like them both, though. How do you decide if a player is 10-team worthy? Well, so, like, for Roto, I try for 12-teamers to only play guys that I think are going to be giving me uh, top 100 or better numbers, which is effectively, uh, you know, if you're, you're talking about 10 starting slots on your team, um, 13 players total, this is for Yahoo Leagues, 12-teamer, so that's, uh, what, 156, right? Total rostered, players rostered. Uh, and in my opinion, you want to be, like, at the two-third mark. So for a 10-teamer with 13 slots, it's 130. Two-thirds of that is indeed, like, kind of around 90-ish. Um, so, yes, um, 90 or better is probably what you're targeting there, maybe even a tiny bit sooner if you could. Do we buy Dame with Kyrie or do I keep Kyrie? Um, I'm okay either way. Dame feels slightly safer just from the, like, I think he's going to try to play anytime he can thing, and we don't know that with Kyrie. But so far, Irving's looks pretty good this year. He's playing when he can. Missed a couple games early. Um, Dame has missed a couple games lately. Uh, I have no problem either way on this one. I, I don't think it changes your team outlook all that much. Trey Jones or Keontae George? I'll go Trey. I'll go Trey over Keontae. I just uh, think his his fantasy game translates a little bit easier than the young fella. Um, but, you know, George is the dice roll. If you want to shoot the moon, why the hell not? I, I just think there's a better shot that Trey Jones is a 12-team playable guy uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. I want to trade JJJ. Who should I target? I don't need any more blocks. Well, you should wait until JJJ has a big ball game before you do anything with him because he's off to kind of a slow start in the blocks department. I think he's under two right now. Um, and so that's why his ranking is what? Is he like in the 30s or something like that? Am I getting that right? Uh, Jaron is... No, he's in the 40s because he's at 0.4 steals and 1.8 blocks. And last year he was at four combined. So he's like halfway there. Um, don't sell on JJJ right now. Wait until he goes on a heater. And then you go try to get somebody inside the top 20, top 15. But I don't know that you would get it right now. Jeremy Grant for Cam Johnson. Which way do I go on this one? Uh, I'll go Cam Johnson. Lower shutdown risk, maybe. I think Jeremy, both of these guys are a buy low, actually, in my mind. Skyler Mays, Nick Batum, or Keontae George, and Nine Cat Roto. In Roto, it's Mays until someone comes back for Portland, and then it's Batum. Someone's trying to get me on the phone, so I better wrap this thing up quick. Tyus Jones, Bruce Brown, DeAnthony Melton, Josh Hart. How do you rank them? Uh, Melton over... No. Uh, yes, Melton over Tyus Jones over Bruce Brown over Josh Hart. Should I add John Morant? We don't have IL+. Plus. Points leak. Yeah, I, th I mean, you gotta. We're like halfway to him coming back almost. He's a monster in points leagues. Absolute behemoth. So, yes. Vooch or Nick Claxton? Eh, six and one, half dozen. Claxton might be ranked higher in nine cat at the end of the year, but he'll tank your free throws while giving you big time defensive stats. Vooch will give you more scoring, probably more rebounding, more assists, more threes, but he's not going to help your field goal as much, and he's not going to hurt your free throw as much, and so on and so forth. 
Should I bench Tyus? Oh, we did this one. I, I actually probably would bench Tyus this week. Is Chris Paul in drop territory? No, he's not that bad. He hasn't been quite that bad. He's in like the 120 range, uh, and he's still shooting 37%. Even if you just tick that up to like 44, then he's very much a playable guy. How much do you think Miles Bridges will hurt Gordon Hayward's numbers? I don't know. Some. Let's say some. It's unclear if who loses out, but I do think it'll be some. Are you starting Keontae? Head-to-head, yes. Roto, no. Dan, what are your thoughts on Miles Bridges and the effect it has on LaMelo, the rest of the team, the Hornets win projection? So it probably does make them better, much as I don't like the whole situation in general. Um, he will make them better. LaMelo will probably be happy about it. Uh, it probably takes away from Gordon Hayward. It probably takes away from P.J. Washington. It probably takes away from Brandon Miller. Um, and he'll probably be a top 80 play at some point. Do I sell Shaden Sharp in a points league? It depends what you get, um, but the answer is probably yes, if only because right now he's doing everything because everyone on the Blazers is hurt besides Sharp and Jeremy Grant. Ant is the next Kobe, MJ, or T-Mac. Um, I mean, he's really, really good, if that's what you're saying. I don't know if he's going to be that good, but he's pretty good. Harden or Franz Wagner? Give me Harden. Punt points, threes, and free throw league where Cade ranks 440 and Aaron Gordon ranks 20. Is there any world where that trade makes sense? <laughs> um, no, because if you have Cade, the other person isn't punting points, threes, and free throw percent. So they're going to value him the way everyone would. So if you're going to trade Cade and you want Aaron Gordon back, ask for a crap load more because everyone else is going to value Cade way more than Aaron Gordon. Now, for you, for your team, getting Aaron Gordon is a really big win, but just realize you can get way more than that. Okay, Don't negotiate against yourself because of your build. Is Clarkson a must-roster now that he can rely on Keontae to handle the ball? It does seem to help him a little bit. I'm still going to say no, but it's going to make basically everybody in Utah a little bit better. Any advice for the two-game playoff week for players like Luka, Anthony Davis, or LaMelo Ball? Do we try to trade for players who have a better playoff schedule to offset that? If so, when? Yeah, that's a really tough question, guys. Um, it, it, the unfortunate truth is that there are going to be some of those blended in there. But I don't know that you can trade those guys without messing up your team build. So I'd like to say yes, but I think the answer is probably not. Now, if you have more fringy guys, mid-round to late-round guys on those two-game teams, those are the ones I think you should probably try to get off because those are guys that are going to be taking up a roster slot where someone on the wire playing four games would probably be more valuable than them, whereas like two games out of Anthony Davis is still going to be way better than anyone you could pick up playing four. You need to pick up somebody playing five or six games to beat what AD does in two. And if those these are the dudes on your team, if this is the, the build you have, you're sort of stuck. Is MPJ a sell high? Or do you think this will continue? So here's the thing about Michael Porter Jr. This is kind of what we all thought he was going to be before he missed, what was it, the year before last, almost the whole season with a back injury, which was good percentages, good scoring, slightly better rebounding, tumbling face first into a little bit of defensive stuff, but just like, generally good. Remember, he got drafted around 20 two seasons back. 
he didn't come anywhere near that because his back blew out and he couldn't shoot. But that was the hope. So him being in the 40s, I think, is something you can expect could continue. Keontae George or Nick Batum? Uh, head-to-head, you're going George because Batum's going to get days off, as we're seeing. Roto, it's Batum. Halliburton and Miles Bridges for Nikola Jokic in a points league. Yeah, I mean, you basically do whatever you can to get Jokic in any format ever. Um, Halliburton right now is basically around his peak. 52% from the field, 95 the free throw line, three three-pointers, 12 assists per game. You know, a couple of those things are probably going to tick down a little bit. Jokic, believe it or not, is, well, points probably come down for Jokic. Rebounds maybe a little bit, but also free throws are going to go up. Uh, assists could actually come back up a little with Jamal Murray out, although who knows, maybe that means he has to shoot more. Um, absolutely. You you go to try to get Jokic basically whenever you can. That's kind of the rule in fantasy at this point. Do you think Jonas Valanciunas can be a sell high for Keegan Murray, or would we need more? I think you'll probably need more, and I would try to do it because I think Keegan's going to be really good. I got offered Jordan Poole and P.J. Washington for Miles Bridges in a 14-teamer. Would you do it? I don't even want P.J. Washington, really. I think I would just take Jordan Poole for Miles Bridges because now you're getting someone who you feel is like a is an asset for someone that we have no idea what he's going to be. So, um, yeah, go. I think I would go Jordan Poole, and I think I... Well, 14-teamer, I guess P.J. is closer to value, but I might just take P.J. out of this and say, can make it a one-for-one. Brooks, you posted this like three times. I answered this question. Can't date George or Trey Jones? It's Trey Jones. It's Trey Jones. This is the best Briss fantasy b-ball podcast out there. The best Briss. Someone told me, this is a this is a Hebrew joke, that I got the best Briss. And I said, stick it in your eye, kid. I think I was 12 at that point. If you don't know what, it's, if you don't know what a Briss is, you can Google it. B-R-I-S. Da, na, 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 na. The more you know about the first eight days of a Jewish boy's life. Okay, all donezo. You are most welcome, everybody that's written thank you in the chat room. Hey, this is fun for me. You don't need to thank me. Uh, but what you should do is thank Derek for carving out some time to come on and walk us through the week. He is at Derek. No, he is at D-Ball B-Ball. He is just Derek Ball in real life, not at if you want to say at, you got to do the handle. I know how this thing works. I am Dan Vespers. Also, my Twitter handle, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. This is the week ahead for week four. Go check out Derek's work in the Fantasy Pass at Sports Ethos. Like and subscribe, you jerks. I don't mean it. I love you all. Uh, tomorrow, uh, trying to make it a two-show Tuesday. A little two for Tuesday. We'll have a Monday recap. Only four games, so that one won't take too long. Uh, we'll also look ahead to the Tuesday card. That show shouldn't be uh, more than, I think, about 45 minutes or so. And then later in the day, I'd like to do a little buy low, sell high episode. So we'll see if the time I can carve out for that uh, before kiddos' Little League practice on Tuesday afternoon. For now, go set your lineups, everybody. You got an hour to get it done. We'll see you guys later.